quick question. If you wanted to change the, not the screensaver on your Mac, but when the screensaver begins, where in system... Like five minutes after inactivity or whatever, that kind of thing? Exactly. Okay. And and there is a screensaver uh, section in, in system setting on the Mac. Where would you go to change that number of, of minutes before it becomes active. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's it's in battery settings, isn't it? Uh, I'm on a Mac Mini in this case. Oh. Yeah. Well, then I'd imagine nope. it's in desktop and screensaver, but I presume that's incorrect based on you asking the question. No, no, that's where it is. I just wanted to... No, I'm kidding. Uh, lock screen, because, you know, we all know about the Mac lock screen. I mean, it does exist, but lock screen. Lock screen? Yep. Oh yeah. wow! There's a separate thing for lock screen. Yeah. I mean, like on the iPhone and iPad, the lock screen's a big deal. On the Mac, if you're logged in, you don't see it. And also, oh, so if I'm you go, sure. so if you if you go to screensaver pane, it has a yeah. a button that takes you to the lock screen settings. <laughs> My method of finding it when I couldn't find it in screensaver was searching. Yeah, I mean, in the search field. That's what everybody and then it, does. Yeah, I typed in screensaver and then it showed me screensaver, change the screensaver, under screensaver, and lock screen, start screensaver when inactive, lock screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a, here's a pop quiz. Do you uh-huh. think, after everybody criticizing it for the entire of the run of macOS Ventura, do you think macOS 14, whatever they're going to name it, will have a different design for system preferences or will it be exactly the same? Oh, sa- same same infrastructure, maybe better organization. Maybe. 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 Yeah. I could see them... Probably not. <laughs> so- I-, I could see them do something where, like, they just make it more, um, like, iOS-y. So, like... Because I feel like they've gone half the way. If they went the full way, it'd actually be better. Um, just with, like, the weird things where the-, the text is all, like, on the right-hand side, separated away from it. Like, it was combined together. It might actually work better. But yeah, I don't think they're going to go back to like the old design or anything crazy. Oh like that. no, no way! And then yeah, second, no second pop quiz, I guess, on the same theme: stage sure. manager. Yeah. Either for the iPad or the Mac, you think it's going to have significant change this year? I'd again go with no. Hmm. Like maybe one or two new things addition, but nothing that like removes the way it works now. Mm. Yeah. I just like, don't think it's the way Apple works. Like they. You know, the, the time for res- for responding to the criticism is the summer, and then mm-hmm. they already have a schedule of what's what's on the what's on what's on the docket to start working on for the next release version. So, like yeah. the people, the, the the manpower doesn't exist to take up. Like, oh, we you know they they'd schedule out what's going to happen for fourteen, you know, while sorry, what's going to happen for seventeen while sixteen's being made. So, like, yeah. they're like they're, all these people, all these divisions are going to be working on this, this, and this next year. So, like these kind of like. And quote late um, issues, you know, late coming issues, uh, which is really like nine months ago. Um, it's too late, I think, most of the time. They have to really go out of their way to reorganize and change the resources for engineering, and I don't think they're going to do it. Well, and if it's opt- not the iPhone, opt- it doesn't happen. Let's put it that way. Yeah, optimizing something like improving it is is I think a lot easier to approve than overhauling something mm-hmm. <laughs> reverting entirely and the ipad the ipad people you know the people dedicated to ipad features they've still mm-hmm. got to catch up with the lock screen stuff from ios uh 16 so that'll be mm-hmm. like the majority of the resource dedicated to 17 that's just the reality 
I mean, I'd be, yeah. be, be, I'd be, if it's not that and it's completely different, I'd be really impressed. But just look at the history. Well, and that's how that's how Apple works. Yeah, and and as we're reminded, the the Mac has a very prominent lock screen, so so we need widgets there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just hidden off on that random sidebar when you press the clock. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, I was gone last week. Did you in chance discuss anything with CarPlay and GM? No, because I think it broke after. Okay, cool. Yeah, broke is right. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I, I wrote a little bit about that, and, 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 you know, I don't know if you have anything to say about the GM part. All I wanted to say is that in this past week, my car probably stopped working in my car. Uh, 2017 Honda Civic. So that was a bummer. But I fixed it. After you fixed like it? A week. After like a week, yeah. yeah. What did you have it, to do? It, it broke on a road trip, and it wasn't like CarPlay breaking necessarily. It was the the touchscreen in the car. And then I was like, oh, man, like if this – none of the touch would work and the screen would flicker, like even with the backup camera and side camera for the blind spot. And uh, I was like, oh, man, like I probably won't fix this anytime soon if it's going to be expensive because it's not essential. But also it's how you access a lot of things with the car. Like, you know, so uh, what I did was I did nothing for a week. Then I Googled, and a lot of people were like, go to the dealer, um, replace the screen, <laughs> some of this stuff. And one person said, try removing the the negative cable from the battery for half an hour. And I'm not like a car person. <laughs> and I know, like, changing your battery is like, one of the essential things that you just do, like, you know, maintenance, consumption. Um but I, I went downstairs and I looked at my battery and I was like, oh, I'm going to need a wrench for this or, or pliers. And I had a set of pliers that would work. I don't know if it's pliers or something else. I'm not a tool guy either. But anyway, uh, I, I, I removed the thing that was holding the negative cable in place on the battery and I, I took it off for half an hour and then I reconnected it and the screen, it was like, like a, Apparently for the car, it was like a big deal for that to happen because like the whole screen was like initiating setup for the car and all these sensors and stuff. And but, but uh, and then it said like go out into an open area for ten minutes for the GPS to recalibrate. And then I don't have like GPS navigation; it's just positioning, I guess. I don't know what it's mm-hmm. for, but maybe emergencies. But um, but you can't play working again. It worked, yeah. CarPlay worked, <laughs> and the touchscreen. More importantly, I guess in CarPlay, the touchscreen worked for things like. Um, changing the volume and, and everything. And, and the last thing that was on CarPlay is what would show, which was the la- like last Tuesday's baseball schedule in the, in the app, in the MLB at bat TV app. So it was, it was really useful information to have. <laughs> Funny coincidence <laughs> time though, with the fury of the yeah. announcement that GM's going to stop supporting both CarPlay and Android Auto, which is CarPlay for Android phones. And mm-hmm. they're going to run their own OS, I think based on, Android Automotive, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, open source Android as a car platform versus it being like a tablet thing or something. And yeah. there was a lot of people mad about it. And like, GM's insane. Why are they doing this? Like, it's crazy. And probably from a customer's perspective, it is the wrong thing to do. Um, but from a company viewpoint, I kind of think they kind of have to. Like, well, why? Like, you can have, you could run CarPlay on, on Android Automotive. Well, like, strategy-wise, like, if Apple comes out with a car, they're not going to support Android Auto, are they? Well, no. Well, exactly. So, like, the car is GM's real estate. That's what they have. That's the future of their company. Eventually, it will have, you know, self-driving, you know, driving support. All this, like, services and stuff 
it it, it, yeah. it exists in their own world on their own operating system. That's what they're going to try and do. Like if you yeah, if you it, support it's... CarPlay and Android uh, or an Android Auto, you're basically becoming lowest common denominator. And you know, if in five years' time, Apple and Google and Tesla and whatever walk in, and you know, Tesla's already got this big advantage with their own you know comprehensive operating system that works generally pretty well and is a big draw and a big appeal. Like if you just support CarPlay only and an Android Auto and defer to the phones as the experience. You, you're kind of sac- giving up like a lot of your competitive advantage. So I kind of get where they're coming from on this. I don't think it's like if you had a if you had a GM vehicle, you'd be like mad about it. But from a company like Strategy perspective, I kind of get it. Um, will it work out for them? Who knows? But I feel like they they probably have to try. And if they fail, then they can always just support CarPlay. And I think it's again. I think it's goofy. I think it's goofy that like you know you can it makes sense for business, but for, for a customer, then um, it's 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 goofy to do. It's, it seems like if if I, th- I think dealers like CarPlay a lot, it's, you know, people, customers know about it, and it helps you sell the, the car. Um, and and you know, dealers aren't the one that makes this that make these decisions. Um, my my car has Android, like it's not Android Automotive; it predates that. But if I go out of the the CarPlay experience and into the Cars user interface, you can go to the browser and the calculator and the photos <laughs> app for Android. And like it's got Wi-Fi, so you can connect to your home Wi-Fi and like browse on to fight Mac on the display. It's terrible, but um, you can do that. Um, okay, imagine a different I, future, right? Second generation yeah. CarPlay is here, right? The yeah. the crazy thing where it takes over the entire UI, all the dials and everything. At yeah. that point, if that became like um, embedded in the car experience, it'd almost be like every car's the same. Like GM gives up its like brand advantage, like you know, yeah. They, well, there's a so, reason so, interiors are different between car makers and they like they take their own view and as cars just end up accruing more and more screens and software all over the front of them and in and inside and you know passenger mirrors and everything like if i was the car maker i'd be like i don't want to just let apple and google run this thing and inevitably promote their own services and everything else inside of it i want to you know state my own ground at least try and it would be nice if they can get along with the phones in other ways and maybe that will happen down the road like you might not support carplay but you'll be able to have like you know apple music as an app on the gm platform as a, as a, as a silly example right like if you cover the bases i don't think it it matters as much um but we'll see what happens ultimately the customer decides right whether they hate it or not yeah until they can't decide because there's no more choice um so so carplay and android auto are you know plug in your phone or connect wirelessly and it projects information you know from your phone to the screen in the car, not like a movie theater projection, but like it presents it there from the phone. Um, it's just a screen, no processing <laughs> required. But then Android Aut- Automotive is the, you know, no phone requires the built-in thing. And like we talked about whenever, um, you know, Tesla added the music, Apple Music app, you know, and is that really better than CarPlay or not? And in some cases, sure, because it is your account. I think it's buggy though, and I think it's not a, as good of an experience if you just, you know, want to use it. But but there are other cars that that have built-in Apple Music apps. Like one even shows lyrics for the passenger, and that really expensive Porsche has a uh, spatial audio support. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, so, but but and prior to, to Android at all, like being what was on these tablet-looking things in cars, and then Android Automotive being an option, which I think is cool. Like a, a, an Apple version of Android Automotive would be would be neat. And we don't know that that's what next-gen CarPlay will do. There's no reason to think it will. But it would be cool if they did that. Um, they could call it iOS in the car, like the pre-CarPlay name. <laughs> but um, yeah. 
but but prior to Google, it was uh, the company behind BlackBerry. Like, what was it called? QNS system or something like that. Um, yeah, QNX. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. QNX. Yeah, yeah. The, so the company out of Canada that was that was the the BlackBerry, which is a, which is a real time operating system, which is uh, allowed to be used to drive instrument clusters and stuff in cars. Yeah. There's like regulations around it, and that's one of the continuing um, question marks with next gen car plays. Obviously, Apple showed off this thing where every panel was controlled by the iPhone and you could customize your instruments cluster, instrument cluster and drive that from the phone. But there's a, a big regulatory gap there because a lot of states and countries require the software that shows your like speed to be running on a real-time operating system to you know eliminate those weird occasional glitches and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And how is next-gen CarPlay going to be able to circumvent that? Is it going to be a real-time OS Plus and thingy OS? Apple hasn't released any details, so we don't we don't know. Yeah, I hear that. I've been in a passenger in a Tesla where the entire car like freezes, like not the car, but the entire computer system that you see freezes, and you have to reboot the Tesla and then like drive with no speedometer for 30, 60 seconds before the car reboots. And, like that's yeah, I don't know how Tesla get around that like legally. I don't it, really understand. Yeah, that. I don't know if it's yeah. allowed, but it it does occur. Not often, but it does occur. Um, but but yeah, the BlackBerry, the Research in Motion REM was the company before they became, you know went all in on the name BlackBerry for the phones. But QNX, um, and you, I don't think you see that anymore. I think it's just plain Android or Android Automotive. Do you, do you know why um, BlackBerry, i.e. Research in Motion, bought QNX in the first place? Can you remember? This is going back. <laughs> no, they, they were making a car tablet. <laughs> so they they wanted to compete in the tablet space. And they bought QNX to make a competitive operating system to the iPad back in like 2011. And it had, to be fair, it had like um, it had like card-based multitasking. It was kind of WebOSy, so it was kind of like technically yeah. advanced. Uh, but obviously, and it ran Flash, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But obviously, it never went anywhere. But that was their original. That was their original reason for for buying that OS. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I didn't didn't realize that. But tablets and and car screens very similar. <laughs> size <laughs> everything so that's interesting um but another question i was thinking about if you are an android user and you're accustomed to android auto which has many more apps than android automotive has android automotive is like you know work directly with integrating it because it's the difference of you know just say you're a youtube music subscriber you're signed in on your phone so every car you get in you're signed in to YouTube Music with if it has Android Auto, you know, slash CarPlay. Uh, with Android Automotive, you sign in to, your, to, the, to the app on this, within the car, and if you get another car, it's not there. Um, so if, would, would, do you think people that use Android Auto would be peeped that they don't have Android Auto anymore and it's just Android Automotive? Yeah, probably. Because just... there's going to be fewer apps. It's just like car. It's the same. It's like CarPlay for iPhone, Android for Android. So it's just, everyone's going to be complaining yeah. the same way. You have to assume that as more cars are based on the Android automotive platform, they'll get more apps on board. Like, oh yeah, totally, that's the ecosystem totally. play, right? To do it that way, yeah. Um, yeah. And just like Samsung, you know, customized Android for the, for its phones and tablets, GM will try and do the same thing for the car and try and differentiate. That's the that's the goal. Whether they succeed yeah. or not is a very different question. Well, and I, I can you know, there's Apple Music for for Tesla for that one other car I can't think of. Maybe it's an Audi. Um, there's there's uh, Apple Music for Android, so you could imagine Apple doing its its Apple Music for Android Automotive at least. 
don't you know you're not going to get the same thing with with Siri it's Google Assistant and then there's no Apple podcast there yet no Apple, Apple Books Apple News Apple Maps so so yeah I mean yeah there's a 100% friction to doing this yeah. move but I can kind of see where they're uh, where they're coming from because if yeah. they don't want to be it's... if they don't want to be like lowest common denominator into a relevancy they kind of have to try and get involved in the user experience yeah and and it's EVs only just for, for now um but EVs are the you know the, the future business eventually I think all companies are committed to to doing EVs only um and governments are at least threatening to enforce that yeah. like you yeah. can only make electric cars yeah. going forward in like 2035 or something yeah. the first gm to do this though is is uh it's the 2024 model blazer electric blazer which 2044 model means comes out this year this summer so really it's 2023 it's like magazines they come out the month before <laughs> you know the month before um but uh so i i don't think that the all electric blazer is going to be like if you if you're familiar this is a uh, um came out in 68 69 or so and it was like a, a mid-70s you know truck with the back bed covered up basically and uh then it became kind of an suv and then it became a tahoe but uh branded car but i don't think that the that that consumers are like waiting for the chevy blazer ev when there's there's like a lot of other evs you know now yeah, not, exactly. not just including tesla but like i would think that the ford mustang mach e would be like a a more popular go-to than the blazer will be and that's got great car play integration for now uh, for, for, for now <laughs> uh yeah and you know the market the, will figure this out we'll see how the trends go if people don't care then they'll more and more people more and more car makers will just drop carplay and auto and do their own thing yeah more more common would be if the if the bolt the chevy bolt drops carplay mm. which yeah they chevy bolt is one where they um they they took out in 2017 um or, there's bolt and volt and one's hybrid one's all electric and i think maybe bolt volt i don't know it doesn't matter but anyway that's the car where a few years ago they, they just removed the chevy system entirely like the maps and all and they just said you know customers like their their phone maps whether it's apple or google and we don't have to include this anymore so they're kind of going back on that with with these evs coming forward but last thing on this is um it, it's it's a price thing because they want to get subscription revenue and everything so they want to have that control but um I, I did wonder though like not that gm is doing this because they don't want to be involved with the next gen car play but um assuming next gen car play like is is pretty pretty sparse in adoption apple just continues to maintain CarPlay as we know it now i would imagine which which is like a screen within next gen CarPlay, uh, but what do you what do you think about that? With, with do you think next gen CarPlay gets adopted more? I presume it's I presume it's a componentized so that you can still do basically everything you do with CarPlay one, right? And you just mm-hmm. don't have the extra screens piles. Like yeah, like you said, it's, it's just like almost like one you know one panel in CarPlay next gen CarPlay is just CarPlay one yeah. essentially. So. I presume that's how it works, and you, the mm-hmm. car manufacturers will be able to choose. Like, if you've got four screens spanning the full width of your dashboard, then you can fill it up with CarPlay stuff. If not, you just get like a very similar experience to what you get today, and you won't be able yeah. to customize the, the instrument cluster and stuff like that. I agree with that as well. Consumers now they they know about CarPlay. They ask about CarPlay when they buy new cars. I I wonder if in twenty thirty three, 
people associate CarPlay with with what we're shown as next gen CarPlay. <laughs> if, it's, mm. if it's first gen, then you're like, well, not really, you know. So, and and getting out of the CarPlay business now would would position you to not have that problem then. But it's you know, that's why they're making their own car. <laughs> good for you, GM. <laughs> By 2033, Apple will have a new solution. Yeah, let's go to India. Apple retail. Yeah, this is just a, there. a quickie thing. So this has been a long time coming. In you know, obviously Apple's been trying to break into India in a bigger and bigger way. It's a key emerging market for them. They want to replicate the success they've had with the iPhone in China in India, which is basically the only other nation in the world that has the same kind of population and possibility for income growth and emerging you know an emerging market where they can sell a lot of iPhones. Um, and they announced that they were going to have a retail presence way back in like 2018. Um, and then they launched online, I think, you know, a couple of years back. And then in 2019, they started hiring to to launch retail stores. But then the pandemic happened. So it got delayed and delayed and delayed. Three years on from that date, uh, the first two Apple retail stores in India, official Apple retail stores in India, are going to open on April 18th and April 20th. Um, and so that is Apple BKC which is in the Bandra Kerla complex, that's in Mumbai. And there's the uh, Apple Saka, which is in Delhi. Uh, so this is, you know, monumental uh, moment for them, really, because, you know, if you, uh, the Apple store is such a huge driver of growth for Apple sales in the early days, right? In the US, it was, you know, people, the Apple store was what helped the iPod take hold. It's definitely what happened, the iPhone take hold. Even if people buy the products elsewhere to get the mind share, to get people trying out laptops and everything having retail store presence is a huge deal and they're going to try and have the same success in India. So they've got two stores launching next week and um, Tim Cook's going to be there to do the announcement and the unveiling and stuff. So uh, it's a, it's a big thing if you care about the emerging market situation for Apple, because they've kind of um, saturated China as much as they're going to practically. And so India is their next, their next target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't click the story, but I saw a headline that was like, these are the 10 brands that Apple will not allow near its India stores. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's quite common to get to, like, malls negotiate with big brands to get them in, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, to be in this mall, Apple said, well, we're not going to let you put up a Samsung store within, you know, 20 units of us or whatever. Sure. That's quite common. Like, it's a funny mm-hmm. story. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not. I'm pretty sure they had very similar contracts in the US, at least at least initially. Uh, you know, but at some point they just choose the space rather than the people mm-hmm. next to it. But if you can get a deal like that, you'll take it, right? Because then you're just mm-hmm. pushing competition further down the street. Yeah, I should look at it because I'm curious. I, I imagine India has different brands than I'm familiar with. You know, locally because it's, it's pretty. They like local local brands. Steve Jobs' book makes something wonderful. It's out. out. It's out. It, yeah, last week released. we covered it being announced. Uh, this week is out. Um, it has a really nice website. That was a surprise. Uh, supposedly made for, by Love From people. Um, you can read the book either in Apple Books uh, as an EPUB available on, so you can read it on other EPUB ebook readers like Kindle or whatever. And it's also available to read in a web browser, either for you know formatted for desktop or mobile. And the web experience is really good. It's probably one of the best like book-in browser experiences uh, I've ever seen. Just And it's not a thing like flashy. It's just simple. It works. If you if you leave the page and come back later, it remembers your place. There's a nice little scrubber on the side to navigate around. So I read most of it in a browser. And I the, the book is a collation of interviews, speeches from Tim Kerr, uh, from um, Steve Jobs, emails to himself and to other people. And then there's like photos and stuff that go along with it too. 
Um, I'd say about it was a great, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great resource and it's free, so you can't complain. About seventy percent of the book, I'd guess, is stuff you've seen before. So if you're paying attention closely to Apple, like you know, I have or whatever, there's not too much here that's like brand, 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 brand new. And of course, it's just about his like mostly. He's focused on Steve Jobs, not focused on product development, right? Um, so it's about his career and his life and his personal struggles and stuff. And they include like transcripts of the original iPhone keynote and stuff like that. But there's, there's, you know, there's a decent 25% chunk of it is new. So the way I read it is I read it on the laptop, but I just kind of like skimmed past stuff that I'd already seen. Because, uh, you know, there's no point reading the iPhone transcript, uh, the iPhone keynote transcript if you're not into it. But there's some cool, there's some cool nuggets in there. Like there's some emails to himself that he sent from himself to himself. If you want to get a more insight into his like mind. And it's basically just like a, a linear chronological from 1976 through to his death in 2011. And they just have little snippets of stuff that you can enjoy and there's some funny things where he does like they include a couple of the emails that jobs did to um customers when they'd ask him about like questions and so he helped someone uh, debug why their ipod isn't turning on so it's like you gotta hold down the reset button and the home button stand there for five seconds and it should work and there's some there's some good stuff in there and there's some there's some transcripts from internal apple meetings that he hosted with like employees like the eve of the iphone being announced he was like, you know, this is why we do this thing. We work on products that are, you know, changing people's lives. Blah 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 blah. blah. It was a cool read. It was cool. Um, so does this satisfy your anticipation for something to come out of the season of the archive? Because before it was, it, it exists. Lauren Powell Jobs announced it at uh, in an interview with characters or with with uh, Tim Cook and Johnny Ive, and and then they released a photo that was pretty interesting. Does this? Does yeah, well, they had that. Like they had that like homepage website, right? Yeah, and it had that one email which was like, um, you know, I grow little of the food I eat, and of the little I do grow, mm-hmm. I do not breathe. You know that kind of thing. Like that was mm-hmm. that was kind of what was there. This is their like first published release of stuff. And it was pretty good, I'd say. Like I, I know when um, the story was out that they were doing this, there were a lot of people who were saying, well, why aren't they going to do a physical version? It's probably too short to make like a a physical version you could do on sale. I know they've made like special edition physical versions for like Apple employees and some some other people involved in Jobs's life. Uh I don't know if I would have if I'd have had to pay for the book and like, you know, in a published work form, I probably wouldn't care for it as much cuz you know, it's not as interesting as that even like the the Isaacson biography, right? Cuz or even for as for as many faults as the Isaacson biography had, it was at least, you know, a lot of new stuff because it was you know one-on-one conversations with him this they obviously redact anything that's super private and a lot of the book is just stuff that i've seen before it was cool to see it and it's all nicely organized um but i i'm hoping over time the steve jobs archive releases more and more new stuff right um Mm -hmm. but this was cool for a first for first showing yeah i was happy with it nice and and probably the best thing from love from besides the red nose (laughs) yeah Yeah, love from uh, Apple paid them a hundred million dollars to make a website for them for after they stopped working together. That's clearly what happened. <laughs> and that, um, yeah, and the red nose day, and they made some royal crest for the king. Right, there was some I can't remember, but he made, they made some design for the for some royal matter. But yeah, that's, well, that's, you need that. that. Like, who, who are you going to go to? But love from yeah, and Johnny Ives like a like a. I can't OBE sure. got an OBE or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Sir Johnny Ive to you. Sir Johnny Ive indeed. So yeah, uh, if you liked if you like stuff about Steve Jobs and obviously the rough comes with the smooth, he you know he wasn't a perfect person by any means. If you're interested in it though, I would I would suggest checking this book out, even if you're just going to scroll it and it's free. So 
you can't complain. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Headspace. The last few years have been a wild ride of emotions, stress, and tension, and that makes protecting and caring for your mental health more critical than ever. Mental health plays a key role in our overall state of well-being. It's directly linked to fatigue, stress, sleep problems, and more, and that translates into how you live and your general mood, which can impact on your relationships and all parts of your life. Headspace helps improve mental health through guided meditations, breathing, and calming exercises, and mindfulness. I've tried it out. It's great. It's really simple. You just download their app and it presents you with a library of sessions to choose from. They have long-running courses to follow, or if you only have a few minutes, they have short programs designed to be done on the go. And that's what I like the most, short bursts of mental refreshment to get you in the right headspace. Headspace is the world's largest library of content with over a thousand hours of clinically proven mental health exercises. They have a wide range of teachers from diverse backgrounds and different areas of expertise. The Today tab in the app gives you a schedule of sessions to do in the morning, midday and at night and you can also drill down into a particular topic. For instance, I picked that I wanted to try to be more active and the app recommends an array of sessions tuned just to that, including workouts and even mental coaching uh, sessions hosted by Olympic athletes. It's all really well made and well designed. Headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide. They can help you too. Listen up, you do not want to miss this. We've arranged something special for a limited time. All of you can try Headspace free for 30 days by going to headspace.com slash happy hour 30. You won't find this offer anywhere else. You must use the link headspace.com slash happy hour 30 to unlock all of Headspace for free for 30 days. This is not something they normally do. So go now to headspace.com slash happy hour 30. That's happy hour three zero. Thanks to Headspace for sponsoring the show. What do you think about Don't Call It HBO Max? Curveball. I, I, don't, I don't mind the new name of just Max. I'm not sure it's going to make much difference to the appeal of the service, right? Like, And the old name had some downsides in that it probably put some people off for like family content and stuff, and they're trying again to get more into the fold. I come from England, though, right, where HBO as a brand is far less prominent. Like, sure. I didn't grow up knowing what HBO is. So if you're an American, the removal of HBO from the name, I can see why it might uh, seem more stupid. Cause, it's it's yeah. the home box office. Yeah, because it obviously has a lot HBO. more cachet. You ask most people in Britain what, what's HBO, they don't, know who the, they, don't know, they don't know what you're talking about. Because mm. the HBO shows that everyone recognizes are not branded as HBO over here. Like, they do Probably have... getting that way here too now with the <laughs> cable yeah. going away. And like, they, 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 they mostly air on, like, Sky, for instance. Um, and yeah, if you watch if you watch Game of Thrones over here, it does have the production card of the HBO, you know, entrance splash thing with the little um, TV static. But nobody re- nobody nobody cares, right? Nobody notices. Yeah. I notice because we're in the business. But you ask a random person on the street, I don't think they know who HBO is. In America, obviously, it's very different, and HBO is like an esteemed brand. And so, deciding to drop it is certainly um, and a bit ambitious. But what I kind of what kind of mollifies me is that, yes, the, the actual streaming service is now just called Max, but they're still going to brand HBO stuff, right? Like, it's going to be, you know, watch HBO on Max, for instance, and well, you know, here's the new HBO project, get it now on Max. Like, I don't think it's that much of a leap, and the simpler name might help bring some other people into the fold. That's, I yeah, guess, I think H- HBO is going to be a TV channel still. Yeah. Premium cable channel. Uh, it, it will be a section within the Max app. But like, what would be considered an HBO original going forward, if it's not on cable, will be a Max original. 
And, you know, I, I do think it's goofy. I like, I like fun writing about it and the name change and, and being playful with it. But um, I, I think what's less, I, th- I think that it, dropping HBO for something different, you know, with, with Warner Brothers Discovery. Warner Brothers Discovery, yeah. It, it makes, you know, some sense. And I have, a, I also have a sense that the um, Warner Brothers, well, the, the Discovery people have a little bit. <laughs> They have negative feelings towards the HBO brand, um, and and that you know who knows Discovery is like reality shows, you know, travel yeah. TV, cooking TV, etc., and then like some you know Doctor Pimple Popper, etc., and then HBO is like more prestigious of a brand, but you know these are the Discovery people that are at the top here. I mean, so I mean, I even like Zlaslav in Investicles is basically framed HBO brand as being male orientated, and you know, yeah. For- as as kind of stupidly sexist it is shutting women out of, of it because he sees it as traditionally a male oriented brand so that's why they want to get the name out of it because they want to make it more inclusive in in their view right to yeah get everybody into the fold under this new umbrella so all that all that you know whatever but the thing where they use max as the name um it's not as bad if they were to call it plus because like plus is what you add on to every single other service and i don't think that there are other maxes that i know about you know, apart uh, from the Mac, the... <laughs> yeah, and and everything involving an Apple product, like yeah. the Macs in there. Uh, aside from like the the, the other like the less prestigious you know, Cinemax channel, but I don't, that's even more obscure, even in the U.S. I think than than HBO. But um, yeah, I would have a, a whole. A t- this is a good opportunity for a whole new name, and and uh, they went with the modifier instead of a you know the, the main name so whatever <laughs> we'll see back how it plays top. yeah 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 back back to the the topics you've arranged for us today to speak about um the two the, the 27 inch uh mini led apple display has has been a roller coaster of a rumor cycle i wrote a thing this week that was like <laughs> the, the news is that it that, that at least for one day was that the, the whole thing was 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 not going to ship it was canceled they had ordered some panels last year but they weren't going to Ship anything this year? This is um, Ross Young, analyst from was it DSCC or something like that. Anyway, um, so I, I like wanted to summarize the lifespan of this rumor, and I didn't realize that ha- how it had began. It's like or I'd forgotten that it had began. As this will be a, a, an iMac, uh, an Apple Silicon twenty seven inch iMac, which we don't have yet, and it will have Mini LED. To know it will be a a uh, the iMac Pro, Apple Silicon iMac Pro with Mini LED. And then there was some like back and forth on will it be pro or not? Will it be you know last year, this year, back and forth? Uh, I think it, it, most of its lifespan. This rumor has been that um, after the studio display came out, that it would be between the studio display and the pro display XDR. So between sixteen hundred dollars and five to six thousand dollars. So maybe something like three thousand or twenty eight hundred, something like that. Um, and it would be like the macbook pro display where it's mini led and it has variable refresh rate promotion so it goes up to 120 hertz versus um 60 you know static and um and you know so that that thing should exist it doesn't yet but it should exist but it was um from ross young coming uh maybe in like july after the march release of mm-hmm. the display which seemed you know weird like they wouldn't they wouldn't at least announce it or that they'd follow up with this thing that was uh at the time pretty supply constrained anyway 
with with the thing that people actually wanted. You know, the, the you, you could say, well, it's a bigger price difference, so it's not quite the same thing. So, but but then it got delayed from July to October. October came, and it was going to be more like Q1 of this year. Well, Q1 of this year passed. We're now in April, Q2. Um, and and Rob I think Stone for a while, says, some people said it was going to come out alongside the Apple Silicon Mac Pro, and then yeah. Mm-hmm. Both the display and the Mac Pro <laughs> were de- yeah. delayed. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but the latest from Ross Young is that that it's been uh, scrapped for now. And then a day later, after I wrote, you know, my farewell letter to this thing, uh, Ming Chi Kuo says it's coming next year. Next year. What do you think? Well, not well. Twenty twenty five. So. Oh yeah, we're tw- that's, that's two years of yeah, that's, that's even longer. Years. Yeah, we have two more years of hedging. This is terrible. Yeah, I mean, Ross Young said scrap for now, so you can um, probably say he'd probably say he was still right if it does come out in twenty twenty five because that's definitely not now. Um, yeah, because no. he's you know he was originally uh, going against the stuff that was saying it was coming out soon, right? And twenty twenty five is not soon. It could easily get delayed to twenty twenty six. It might not even happen, but who knows? But basically. Quo believes that the project is still like on the cards, it's just much further away. Um, and the Apple Studio Display version one shipped in 2021, right? A three to four year gap between major is that right? 2022 was it 2022? Right. It was last year, last okay, last yeah, year. sorry, yeah, 2022. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the MacBook Pro with mini LED shipped in 2021. That's, yeah, it predated that's, it. Yeah, it predated it. And I think it's not unreasonable for people to want Apple to make a screen external that's the same technology and contrast ratio as and 120 hertz as the thing they ship in the laptop. So there's a lot of people that are interested in the display of this specification. And the $5,000 thing isn't 120 hertz, right? Correct. It is not. Yeah. 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 It's it's more it's more like it's basically equivalent with the, 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 the contrast versus... Well, even I mean, you can even argue the contrast ratio on the ProDisplay CR is worse because it only has five hundred ish dimming zones across thirty two inches, whereas the MacBook Pro has like a thousand over sixteen inches. So, in many ways, the ProDisplay CR is actually outdated in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah, and they have better than the display. The the big, the big, the big um, draw of the studio of the ProDisplay CR is six K at thirty two inches. Right, it's big. Um, the studio display is 27 inches uh, at 5K and doesn't have mm-hmm. you know ProMotion or anything like that at all mini LED backlighting. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people out there anticipating a basically take the MacBook Pro display and make it bigger and make it external. Uh, I'd certainly be interested in it. Um, but the 2022 timeframe, correct, because it was good that you created me there. March 2022 is when it came out. If you look at historically, you know, back when Apple did displays before they cancelled them out, they would not refresh them that frequently. And so, you know, the, the Thunderbolt display was three to four years after the last time they updated the cinema display, for instance. So on that timeline, if this doesn't come out to 2025, it kind of lines up with typical, you know, traditional Apple release schedule for screens because they don't treat screens like a product like the laptops where they can update them on a more frequent basis. They're like an accessory that gets occasional updates. So... On that, on that, like when you say 2025, it's like, oh, that's so long away. But if you see it in the, if this is just the second generation Apple Studio display, mm. under that context, oh, kind of fits. You know, it yeah, sucks that it's going to be that that long. But yeah, that's sick. I can I can kind of like, oh, I guess that's yeah, that's just how you know Apple takes three or four years before they update their their screens, just like they don't update their keyboards and their mice on a regular basis either, just occasional. Optimistically. You could say, 
that the pseudo display price at sixteen hundred dollars, no no Mac included, which came out and it was announced the same day as the twenty seven inch iMac, entire Mac included, albeit with Intel, not an Apple Silicon. Um, you know, it was a better value to have the iMac than the pseudo display and any computer, I believe. But you could say that the pseudo display is holding a price point. That the pseudo display wasn't for... announced alongside an iMac, was it? No, it was announced alongside the discontinuation of the iMac. Yes, sorry, yeah, yeah, because it was announced yeah, yeah, with yeah. the Mac Studio. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. I'm, so, I'm on your wavelength again. Sorry. Cool. The price point, though, it does seem high for for what is like a 5K iMac with no computer, and um, you, optimistically, you could say, well, maybe that's just the price point they're holding. You know, that that this Studio Display Two could fit into and not be like a three thousand dollar thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emphasis on optimistic. Yeah, the real question but, is, what do they do with the Pro Display XDR? Like, is that just dead? Well, I mean, hmm. This the 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 thing that keeps getting discussed and and moved on, you know, moved around in years. Isn't thirty two inches six K? So you can imagine that they can do a successor to the Pro Display XDR as well. Maybe I don't know. Do they? Maybe the success of that thing is a factor as well. Like, how long? How long does the Pro Display XDR stick around and not support like 120 hertz? Do you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, kind of weird until the until the 7K thing comes out. That like didn't we find evidence of? That's the rumor, back? right? Like that's what Nunchfax yeah. reported on that there's a 7K version. So maybe that's the replacement for this Pro Display XDR and mm-hmm. the 27-inch millimeter is the replacement of the studio display. It's just taking yeah. a while to... Because the studio... The, the, sorry, the Pro Display XDR came out in 2019. So yeah. if you add on the three- to four-year typical window, we're kind of approaching it. Mm-hmm. And, and there, I think there's a Mac Pro coming. I guess, I guess you could argue they're but, going to but, announce it alongside a Mac Pro. Yeah. Yeah. But, but maybe not. But maybe, <laughs> maybe not. not. Yeah, maybe not. If, if the, the Mac Pro's are, having enough problems getting out the door, let alone the, the screen. Yeah. Well, no, Mac, Mac Pro is now Mac Studio too. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And, and a mac pro casing so, <laughs> it's all a mess you know. it's all a mess yeah, it, it is but i will say you know it, it's something i pointed out when when uh the ross uh, young declaration of of uh of, of, of death scrapped for now yeah uh came out it's like once again this is the best feature of the studio display that it exists and even better than that um i i'm is that the rumors of a, of another display coming after it are here because even though the rumors are like you know it's going to be here now sooner or later and you know when you're older um that's better than before when when the, the status quo was we're out of the apple's out of the display business here's lg you know so i i will take this over that it's a better situation than it could be for sure and i'm and i'm glad i'm not a, i didn't hold out to buy this here display i just went for it you know early on and not waiting for, until I'm old enough to run for president or something like that. <laughs> well, do you want to move on to another rumor that is ambiguously in flux? Ooh, sure. Yeah. What's this one? Tell me about it. This is the iPhone 15 Pro volume solid state button situation. So for the last few months, uh, there's been a fair amount of evidence, reports, publications, including CADs that 95 Max saw and did renders of that seem to indicate that the um, volume buttons and the mute switch were going to change to capacitive buttons. And we talked about maybe the the, the mute switch becoming an action button, right? Um, 
Uh, that was a rumor that uh, flew around either last week or the week before. And so it was like, okay, the F15 Pro series, one of the big changes, and they're going to move to capacitive buttons. And there's going to be a, like a co-processor that handles it when it's switched off, and it'll work with gloves on and all that, and all that jazz, and maybe you get some extra functionality out of it. Well, this week, um, Haitong tech analyst Jeff Pooh was first out the door to say that he says that according to sources, Apple has scrapped plans for the capacitive solid-state buttons and is going back to a classic volume button design with physical buttons for the 15 Pro, and maybe they'll try again with capacitive buttons for the 16 series. Yeah, but and- that's Jeff Poo, though. Like, what? He's, he's good, but not great, right? Yeah, fair. And then the very next yeah. day, <laughs> Ming-Chi Kuo corroborated Jeff Poo's report saying the same thing, saying that they are moving back to classic volume buttons. Uh, he well, said that the iPhone 15 Pro is still in the EVT engineer validation test stage, which means that Apple does still have time to make changes. Although the deadline will be coming up because usually it passes from EVT to the PVT stage in like May. So we're pretty close to the we're pretty close to the wire, which maybe explains why right now it's been cancelled because this is like the last chance Apple has to make changes. Because yeah. they like. Whenever stories like this come out, there's a lot of people who like comment on Reddit and stuff. Like this stuff will have been decided months ago. This just can't be true rumor; it's just made up. And I don't know about that. Like, so there's a couple of things. One, sometimes rumors like this, I feel like, are just um, it takes a while for them to come down the pipe. So, like, Apple made the decision three months ago. Not, I'm just saying, in a hypothetical, right? Apple made the decision about something three months ago, and then it makes it that that decision makes its way through the supply chain. And then finally, to a point where someone can report on it three months later. So, like, yes, maybe Apple didn't. Maybe Apple didn't decide right now that they, the volume buttons are going to be um, no longer going to be capacitive. Maybe they did have to decide it at Christmas, for instance. But it's just it just comes out into the public eye now, and that's yeah. one thing that I'm pretty sure does happen in some cases. And then the other thing that happens is that Apple 100% makes multiple EVT models. They make multiple designs of the same phone every single year because they make backup plans. Like mm-hmm. and I, there was a there was a famous case where they were like really close to shipping a backup plan before. I can't remember which model it was. I think it was like the 7 or something. It was something like that. It was a while ago. But it is 100% true. That was it. It was the iPhone 7 Plus. They had EVT models of the 7 Plus that did not have a dual camera. Mm. So they had a... Because obviously the 7 Plus was the first one to do the, 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 the dual camera on the back, which supported portrait mode. But there was pretty good evidence at the time that Apple had a different design, which was the same as the 7 Plus. It just had a single camera on the back. And because obviously they were they had questions over whether the that single camera, that dual camera design was going to be able to be viable and be shipped in time. But it turned out it was, so it did. But they 100% have multiple EV test models concurrently because they have to have backup plans in case something goes terribly wrong. Maybe in this case, something went terribly wrong. Uh, the solid state buttons are not viable. So they're just going to use the EVT that doesn't have, that has physical buttons like forever. And the CADs that came out were of the EVT that did have solid state buttons, but floating around, they're also some, presumably somewhere schematics of the non solid state button EVT design. So that's two ways that stories like this can be perfectly true. And so, so, if two people say it, uh, Pew and Quo, I generally believe them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it sucks, though, because like, the capacity yeah. button sounded, sounded interesting and different. It but. sounded mundane to start, and then it got more interesting yeah. at the time. It was like the action button, maybe, you know, for me, I was like, oh, it can be a camera launcher like that smart battery case was, you know, once. Um, so it was disappointing. But 
you know, its reality is understandable. Um, do you remember for the author for the iPhone seven um, leak cycle? There was probably not an actual phone, but it was uh, Touch ID in the back and a smart connector. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that I don't know where that came from. Probably not an EVT. In that yeah, case. that was probably just a fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because oh. the smart connector uh, rumor came like recurred, didn't it? Like for a couple of years, <laughs> there was always yeah, just a schematic with a smart connector at the bottom, and it never transpired. Well, that's, so. that's that's pretty Mac safe. So hey, yeah, 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 yeah. So who knows what? So, so, so tell me, does the the lack of solid state buttons does that that rule out the action button or the mute switch you're designing? Well, I guess theoretically you could have just a button instead of a switch, a rocker switch for the for the mute switch, and it yeah. can still be a button. It just doesn't. But don't but don't don't hold your breath though. Yeah, um, they they, they the, the both Jeff Poo and um, Quo specifically talked about volume buttons. So yeah, if you really want to be um, all eyes open, <laughs> you could say that it's going to ship with a solid state <laughs> action button and physical volume <laughs> buttons. Uh, well, and I mean, if the mute switch becomes a button. Doesn't have to be solid state. It can click. Yeah, and they don't they don't do clicks anymore. Well, no, the power button, the sleep back button clicks, right? Yeah, exactly. The the non solid state yeah. buttons today they click, don't they? So they they do. So yeah. so yeah. M- maybe they ship with volume buttons that are unchanged and a uh-huh. clicking button that can be a mute button or it's a action button. Yeah, don't, I mean, like I said, don't hold your breath though, because yeah. they, they probably tie these things together and probably. not sort of apart. <laughs> so so. Then that well, that means I think for the the fifteen pro phones, um, we we know we you know we're highly confident that the bezels get thinner, the dynamic island is unchanged, and it kind of looks bigger because the bezels are thinner, but it's the same, I believe. Yeah. Um, no change to the to the <laughs> to the volume buttons. No. Okay. You know that part was was boring. Don't. It's okay. Probably no change with the mute switch either, and like the action button thing, which, which you know, again, uh, if you don't follow the rumors, nothing, nothing, nothing ever happened. <laughs> it's just, but, but what, what do you get though? Like, I can imagine for the 15 Pro Max, like we know about the, um, is it the periscope lens, mm. and in this case, Apple's using the periscope lens, we believe, um, largely to make the camera bump smaller, or the whole, the whole camera size smaller. And then, and the rumor is um, six yeah. times optical zoom. Yep. So not yeah. like eighty, but but six. So up from three. Well, up from two. Really. Well, no, three is optical as well. I'm sorry. Yeah, three is optical a, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, three is just a not as much light gets in. So so doubling that. That's that's cool. Um, what what about the non Max phone though? Like may, maybe the, you know, if you're taking the, the what is it, forty eight megapixel raw photos, like that's faster now than it was before. Um, maybe the three X camera gets gets better at low light than it currently is. It's kind of a a, a point of um, well. What's shown you know, on the schematics is the right non Max one gets an even bigger camera bump than yeah, the yeah. current fourteen series. So, which is wild in itself because the camera bump in the schematics is crazy big. So I'm still somewhat confused, but maybe there's something lost in translation. Lost in translation there, but I mean, a lot of people are reporting it, including us. So it's hard to deny. Um, but if if you take that as true, then you have to assume the lenses are getting better. So obviously, even though they don't have a periscope lens, they'll have, they'll take better quality photos. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the angle you have to come from. But I agree with your general um, narrative here. There's not too much rumored for the 15 series, really. Titanium design, right? Like Maybe, titanium yeah. shell, um, thinner bezel screen. 
camera upgrades. Uh, I guess it's a I guess it's a year over year update, but if you had something like different like capacitive buttons that would certainly make it more distinguished um yeah and you're gonna get the new yeah. chip the new generation chip which is gonna be three nanometers so that'll be faster yeah. more performant and presumably so it will be better you know that, that helps with, with camera stuff yeah too but yeah kind yeah, of, kind of mediocre year at least based on current rumors okay that's fine it mm. happens and then and then the 15 so that we, we discussed the max the, the non-max pro and then the non-pro and and plus that will exist this year as well um, they get dynamic island them. right that's yeah that's which the is a big deal for them yeah yeah good for them and, they, and they'll get last year's chip so the, the chip currently in the pro phones will move down the line because now we have the two-tiered soc situation yeah yeah and then ultra is next year is that right for 16 supposedly even though titanium looks like this year yeah, <laughs> yeah. ultra ultra gets you an action button like the watch <laughs> yes it does yeah all right, let's wrap up with uh, the return of Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to mention, in case people don't care about the baseball stuff, um, the the code reference in the TV app, potentially adding uh, multi-stream view for sports. What What is that? Yeah, that's kind of cool, actually. So when um, MLS launched on Apple TV uh, this year with MLS Season Pass, I said that, if you make it exclusive to one app, you also have to support that technically with all the features that exist in the wider ecosystem. So if you look at the ESPN app on Apple TV, you can watch four streams of live games at the same time. Um, and that included MLS games until this season because now all the games are exclusive to Apple. So ESPN doesn't show them anymore. Um and right now, it's just a straight regression because the TV app does not support multi-streaming. You can do picture-in-picture, picture, but it's just the one in the corner. Um, but but interestingly, code references in iOS 6.5 indicate that they are working on a multi-view experience for the Apple TV app. It might not ship in 6.5. It might just be like code references that are because it's in development and it will come out with 17. I think that's more likely, to be honest. Um, but basically... There's going to be a feature designed for Apple TV sports streaming. So sports that are streamed inside the Apple TV app, including MLS, MLS and MLB uh, baseball, uh, and you know whatever other deals Apple ends up striking, there'll be a way that if you're watching a live game in the Apple TV app, there'll be a button in the corner of the video player which will let you add a game. So you can have two at once, three at once, four at once. And it seems like four will be the max um, because there's a code string that basically says adding fifth game error and it says you can't add another game so four's the maximum um, but basically you'll get split screen quad box layout like you can get on espn and i believe fubo tv supports it as well um this will be coming to tvos and ios and maybe other places but at least uh apple platforms uh, a nice grid layout for multiple streaming at once and you'll be able to like click on one and make maximize it and switch back out again um, and one of the big one of the big um, marketing things for MLS Season Pass is they change the schedule, so a lot of the games happen concurrently on Saturdays. Mm. And they have an MLS 360 show, which is like a hosted whip around show. But a good complement to that would be the ability to just put on multiple streams of the things that are running at the same time, and this feature would support that. And I believe even someone who was on the MLS like rumors uh, situation said that they'd spoken with like an Apple rep, maybe off on background. And they said that um, multiple quad box streaming will be coming by the end of summer. Uh, so end of summer in Apple terms means like <laughs> September, i.e. iOS 17 release, right? Yeah, I think it's literally summer. Yep. Still, 
Yeah. So uh, good feature though. Cool. If, assuming it yeah. ships. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Friday night baseball is back. That's the the two games on on uh, Friday, whether it's day or night, on uh, Apple TV Plus. The big difference this year is that no games are free totally. They're um, included with Apple TV Plus for seven dollars a month. Um, what was it? Five, it was five dollars a month last year, but it was also baseball was just free for the first half, and then it stayed free for the second half of the season. Um, so it's back. What's changed with uh, with Friday Night Baseball, if anything, for this year? It's mostly the same. Um, there's some, you know, there's a few new bits. They got some new camera angles. The studio where they present from looks slightly more tarted up and newer. Um, the 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 big thing for me, I guess, was that the stats in the corner. So for betting and gambling purposes, Apple last year put on the video stream like it would say like you know batting average or you know batting accuracy eighty seven percent for the current batter that was up at the game, and but it wasn't just eighty seven point seven; it was hilariously like eighty seven point three four. It's like whatever stats you're drawing on to make these guesses there's no way it's that accurate that it could be like hundreds of a decimal place and it kind of looked like stupid like it was just like a plain white text in the corner this year they've updated the design so it looks nicer and they've rounded the percentages off so now it just says 87 82 81 which is more probably more realistic based on what you can actually uh, guess so that was a nice little change um, there are a lot of people that i will say that don't like the gambling stats being included on the screen at all times and if I think it would be better user experience if you had the choice. So, like, if it was, like, a dynamic overlay and you could turn it on and off in, like, the video player settings. But, alas, that's not the case. It's burned into the video stream. So, it's always there, but at least they've tied up the design. Um, You'll have to explain this to me, Zach, but there's, like, a new rule this year where, like, there's, like, a pitch pitch clock. So, like, you can only, like, the the teams can't stand there forever. So, now the pitch clock is integrated into the little um, score bug in the corner. Uh, so yeah they, they they tried this in the 50s and it didn't stick uh but games have gotten longer and longer and longer and that's one of the reasons i think baseball can be a turnoff to people is the game they're just there's no clock uh you know with with nba with football with soccer everything is, is time-based but with baseball it's not it's nine innings um so both teams get a shot at you know getting points each, each inning and so the game would last three plus hours you know three and a half hours even later um and and in some games like started off you know they'll air um they'll, they'll begin late at night in california so those are like the next day and if you know you're saying up past midnight for a game on the east coast it can go you know you can just turn it off um so the pitch clock is 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 new this year they tried it last year with the minor league and i guess it was successful in that um games were shorter uh, fans liked it Players and coaches got used to it. There's one thing I've noticed this year in watching baseball. I've got MLB TV through T-Mobile. And so it, that's every game that's not blacked out or exclusive to Apple TV or, or soon. Um, uh, what's the channel? It's one of the one of the uh, Turner channels. Um, Bally? No, yeah. that, that's, the, that's the defunct one. <laughs> I think it's TNT, but TNT, it's, yeah. it's one of the... TSN, is it? I don't know, something like that. It's either TBS or TNT, but one of those is is also like getting exclusive games weekly now. So those won't be on on MLB TV either. But um, so ESPN has some games that are exclusive. Um, Apple does, and then I then then the let's just say TBS. Um, so you don't get those there. But uh, it, anyway, so I've been watching every, you know everything I can through MLB TV. Just 
um, you know, pick one team to follow. That makes once the game has like stakes, then you kind of care about it more than if it's just like two teams you don't care about. Um, and then I've also gotten like backup teams, and so I've been watching games like there there we there's like 162 games per season, so there's a per team, so there's a lot a lot of games to watch like throughout the week. Um, so I paid a lot of attention, and the pitch clock has helped with bringing down game times like sub three hours. So in, as long as you're not crossing three hours, then that's pretty good. Um, but it just makes the the pitcher has to um, you know throw the ball to the hitter within like 20 seconds. The, the time the the time varies based on like if bases are loaded or the people on base or not. And um, but anyway, it does speed up the game. So that's the point of this pitch clock. Um, and then there's also like they've made the bases bigger this year. Like not Apple Apple TV, but like MLB has made the bases bigger by a few inches so that there's more action. <laughs> it's like easier, I guess. So um, some changes there, but. Um, this also let me like I, I've seen now ESPN's presentation of scores and stats, uh, MLB TVs, which has a, a super aggressive like data rich view that you can optionally enter into or not, and it kind of makes the the video of the game like not a quarter of the screen, but you know a little more than a quarter of the screen, and then like around like left and below are all this information that you could want if you're one of those like stats people or like you're taking down all this information. And I, and I also think that the stuff that, that uh, Apple TV shows, you know, percentages, it's not, you know, it is for gambling purposes. Like it is for, for people that, that are, are watching for that reason. Um, but also like if you if you, if your team is down and like they show the, the person at bat has, you know, this percentage of, of, of uh, hitting the ball, you know, then, you kind of like okay, this this you it's, you're more invested into it. If it's like low, then you're like oh no, here we go. So it is fun for non gambling as well. But um, yeah, the seeing I've seen Bally's presentation. I don't, I don't know what you would call it, but I'd call it a, a you know a HUD as a display. But you know the way the score is presented. I've seen AT and T Sports. That's the other one that you'll see for regional networks um, that MLB you know carries. And I've seen ESPNs, of course. I haven't seen the TBS one yet, but um but apples i think is like definitely the the most it's like the cleanest without lacking too much information you know like for example i believe every single other presentation of of baseball uses two balls to show the outs and there's three out like three three outs three balls you you know you get a strike and you're out um but they show two balls so that well 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 say a player's out instead of just a strike so a strike is something different but if they show um, two balls for two players out. The third person gets out. The inning is over. So they don't show three. They show two because by the third one, there's nothing to show. The the inning is over. But Apple shows three, you know, because there is that third strike to be had or, or third out to be had um, to move on to the next inning. So uh, I haven't, like, paid attention to see if they ever fill it. <laughs> they probably do, like, <laughs> briefly. But at any rate, like, coming to – I think it's more approachable in that regard but I've also better understood like what is Apple Friday Night Baseball and Apple TV and um, I, you know whatever whatever market there is for for paying you know for overlapping you pay for Apple TV already or you pay to watch every Friday Night Baseball game um, on Apple TV there there may be a market for that but I think the the biggest like thing that it will appeal to for baseball uh, fans is like whenever your team is not on you know, the regional sports network available through MLB TV or on ESPN or TBS, then you go, then you have to have access to MLB, the Friday Night Baseball. So, you know, pay the seven bucks for that month. Um, and it's, it, because as we know, it isn't the same team every week that they're showing. Like, 
they try to show all the teams for Friday Night Baseball. Um, so if you just care about one team, like you're not going to care about that as much unless you just like watching baseball. Um, so it's so an add on to TV kinda, Plus, is it? It's not like people aren't going to buy it just for the baseball. Well, and it is a thing. Like if you do want to see every game, then then you know if you want to watch your team play that night. Although it's like you know there's many games for a week, so maybe you wouldn't even do that. But like yeah, you, you're probably right there. Um, but it did have some benefits. For example, for me, I live um, eight hours from the Atlanta Braves baseball team. And I'm in a blackout region for that team. I cannot see it on MLB TV unless it's on ESPN, TVS, or in this case, Apple TV. So I've been following the Padres as like my second team uh, after the Astros. And um, and then I, and then Tampa Bay has like this really cool thing where they they haven't lost a game yet. And they're approaching breaking MLB history for for that. They're like 10-0, maybe 11-0, and 13-0 is the record to beat. So that's just fun to watch for now for the entertainment purposes. Um but anyway, I was able to watch the Padres game I wanted to see last week because it was on Apple TV Plus because they were playing the Braves in Atlanta, and that was blocked out for me. But because it was Apple TV Plus, I could see it even though it's a blackout. You know, so that that was cool. <laughs> so that, I'm, I'm learning more about like what is the appeal and like what is the value that that Apple TV baseball has. Um, and there's there's some to it. Did anything change this year with the um, the the radio broadcast? Yes, away? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the other technically new thing is that now you can choose before it was only the MLS sorry it was only the uh, MLB hosts right the people that Apple and then would be chosen to host the audio and commentate the mm-hmm. Friday night baseball stream that was all you could choose now you can choose home or away radio broadcast which is synced up to the video stream because you could yeah. you could manually like put the radio on but then it would be 20 seconds ahead of the video cuz you know there's a delay in the time it takes for video to be encoded and streamed over the internet but if you choose the audio in the video player um you can listen along and it's and it's synced up is it is it mls that the away option is is missing new for the is missing okay so on so on mls season pass this yeah. year you get home audio as an option no away audio they okay. supposedly work on that for a future season for MLB, you get home or away apart from a couple of outlier cases where, like, there's weird rights deals, so, like, the teams don't sure. support it. But in general, yeah. you get home or away choices for every match. Yeah. Okay, and before this season, I didn't really have an appreciation for, for why that would matter. Uh, and I don't know if soccer fans care, you know, for MLS. They do, trust just... me. Okay, they do. Yeah, You're uh, on, the, on, the tweet, on, the, on the tweet deck feed, yeah. <laughs> everybody wants away audio. <laughs> okay, yeah. Make, makes perfect sense because... Um, I've only ever watched just the broadcast audio in, in, in the past for anything. Um, but I've listened to the home broadcast for the Astros, you know, or, or the, uh, the, um, Houston broadcast for the Astros. And so if they're the home team, you know, then you do the home radio. If they're the away team, you do that and you get consistent announcers for one, you get the same two people every week. And so there's, there's, um, you know, there, there's, they, they work together in the same way. There's chemistry, there's, um, they they know the most about the team that they're broadcasting for because it's the same team that they cover every week versus TV broadcasters. They cover all teams throughout the year. Um, and then also like on, on screen, you'll see like trivia, you know, questions and talking to, you know, random people in the crowd or like, you know, a lot of stuff that you kind of don't care about on the TV broadcast and TV, you know, it's it's just tuned different than, than radio, you know, to keep people <laughs> tuning in, I suppose. But um, it's, I think it's a much calmer experience to listen to the, to, the, to the radio broadcast 
because you'll see them on the screen doing like trivia and you don't hear that on the radio broadcast because it's nothing connected to it. I did hear one thing kind of funny on the Friday Night Baseball radio broadcast for the Padres game. Um, they One of the announcers said, we're fighting through some technical issues with our friends at Apple. Only one monitor is working. It's uh, showing a lady in the audience. Her son is offering her a chicken tender. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh? <laughs> and so I, I guess that means that the radio people, you know, they see the game because they're there, presumably. But what Apple was presenting, like, versus Bally or AT&T or ESPN, they, at that moment, they were having technical issues where some of the other monitors, like, different angles were down. And it wasn't even showing the game. It was a lady in the crowd. So that was random and fun, though, you know, in season two. So, you know, still still working the kinks out there. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've had fun with it. And one last thing, the radio option, diff- different than the broadcast option, it's pretty cool because there's also for many of the teams Spanish channels, so the Spanish announcers, where you wouldn't have that with the TV broadcast. That's and cool. And so, yeah, pretty uh, pretty important I think for Apple to, to support that, and, and they do. Um, so yeah, MLB TV, you you can't, as far as I know, say I want the radio for whichever team you know video stream I'm watching because you can say I want the home team or the away team, um, you know, broadcast, but or, or channel feed or whatever but uh you, you can't say i always want to hear the radio instead radio is also more descriptive so they know you can't see the game and so if you're like multitasking or, or something then you, you, you hear more <laughs> than you went on the tv um, but yeah cool apple tv baseball's back uh we, we don't know why they they don't get the initial week <laughs> they don't <laughs> but they, they're here again so cool that sounds good uh commercial wise I saw, you know, I don't, I don't know, probably the same like MGM gambling ads as before, but I also saw probably more than last year. I didn't watch every year, every week last year, but um, a lot of Apple ads. Like one was for not Apple TV, but for the upcoming um, rom com uh, Ghosted on Apple TV Plus, the movie. And, Chris Evans. But they said and, it's. And a Domus. Yeah, they said it's streaming soon, like no release date. Doesn't it have a release date? Yeah, yeah, it's coming out on the 21st, literally next week. So, so why can't they say that on the oh, I don't know. Maybe. This is Apple marketing. They, they screw yeah. it up every, every it was, left, right away. They they prepared the ad before they you know, knew the release date, I guess. But um, they also showed an ad not for Apple Arcade, but for a game on Apple Arcade. So I thought that was kind of cool, too. Uh, a lot of iPhone 14 ads um, on MLB TV. Don't think that they show Apple iPhone 14 ads on, on Friday Night Baseball, but... You know, maybe they should. <laughs> since since the, the the Google stuff shows the pixel ad like every commercial break for <laughs> um for basketball and football. So yeah. All right, that is the happy hour podcast for this week. If you want to enjoy the show, please follow in your favorite podcast player. You can also subscribe in Apple Podcasts for the ad free version. We appreciate everyone who subscribes to the ad free version and supports us directly, as well as everyone who supports our sponsors that keeps us uh, able to do the show. If you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. I'm on Twitter at ApolloZach, A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-C, and on Macedon at LunarPunk.social. You can follow Benjamin online at BZMAO. Everywhere. And we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.